Hello out there. This is Old Buck Dave here again with another short story for your, for you as part of our uh, War on Sleep. This is actually a short, short story, also known as Flash Fiction. It's only 990 words, but it says a whole lot in those 990 words. I got this story from uh, Dr. Jack Wong, who teaches writing at Ithaca College. He used this story, among others, to illustrate points in a Zoom class I took from him in 2020. That's uh, the year that time forgot. So a tip of the antlers to Jack, as his class was really excellent, certainly the best I've ever taken. Now to the story. The title is MUD, M-U-D, and it was written by Jeffrey Forsyth published, I believe, in 2008 as part of a collection of his short stories. The story deals with loss and grief, and as it opens up, a man is getting ready to go to work on an an important day for him at his company. He finds his father, his grandmother, and his wife have all come back from the dead and are in his house, and they're covered with mud. So listen closely, folks. It's only 990 words, but it's very thought-provoking. What do you hang on to? What do you let go? Have a listen. Mud by Jeffrey Forsyth. This morning, I found my grandmother sitting at the kitchen table. She had been dead almost five years, but here she was now, sitting in my wife's old seat, covered in mud. I almost didn't recognize her because the mud had flattened her hair and darkened her normally pale skin. She said it wasn't easy digging her way out of the grave and that it took most of the night. And wasn't I going to at least offer her a glass of tomato juice? I don't get it, I said. You're here? She said, am I going to have to ask twice for that juice? While alive, my grandmother's biggest pet peeve was having to ask twice for something she wanted. I poured her some juice. Grandma, I said, I hate to say this, but today's not a good day. I have to be at the office early for a meeting, eight sharp. People are counting on me. She stared at me as if the tie I had on was all wrong. I have responsibilities and commitments that I can't get out of. It's a big day. They need me there today. It was then that I heard the television in the living room. Who's watching the television, I asked. Your father, she said. He's here too? I walked into the living room and found him sitting on the couch, mud all over his face and his arms and his hair. Dad, I said, what are you doing here? Is that any way to greet your father, he said. Turning to my grandmother, he said, in seven years he hasn't seen me, and this is how he greets me? You're getting mud on his remote, dear said my grandmother. He glared at his mother and rolled his eyes. Excuse me, Dad, I said, but you're supposed to be dead. He handed me his remote, mud all over the buttons. I held it away from my suit so I wouldn't get dirty. There's nothing on, he said. When my father was alive, he loved watching television. He watched two hours of it before he went to his job at the phone company, and then five more hours when he came home. His favorite show was All in the Family. He loved that show. Seeing him there in front of the television, hunched over with his hands resting flat on his stomach, injured me in the best possible way. 
I want to hug you, I said to my father, but I have a meeting to get to. I can't afford to be late. You look sharp, kiddo, he said. The way he called me kiddo made me forget about work for a second. I had forgotten about kiddo. Really, kiddo, he said. You look like a million bucks. You think so, I I said. Both of them nodded. I'd hug you guys, but I don't want to ruin my suit, you know. Don't worry about it, said Grandma. I am worried about it, I said. I never got to hug you goodbye, Grams. I was in Cleveland, she said. Still, I wish I could have given you a proper goodbye. It's okay. No, it isn't, I said. I spread my arms and walked towards her, but she backed away. Better not, kiddo, said my father. You'll get dirty. I don't care, I said. I turned to him and tried to throw my arms around his muddy neck, but he backed away from me as well. You've got a big day ahead of you, he said. A really big day. The phone rang. It was my boss, reminding me not to forget the reports. He sounded nervous. I asked him if I should bring anything besides the reports. He told me to bring my good senses and my sound judgment and the right frame of mind. Then he hung up. While I was on the phone, my father and grandmother moved to the couch, tracking mud all over the carpet and furniture. It tired me to look at it, gathering at their feet. I can't do this, I said. Not now. I didn't know what exactly I couldn't do. Yes, you can, said my father. You can do this. He raised his arm as if he meant to give me a high five, but then he remembered the mud and folded his arms at his waist. I gathered all the reports that were stacked on the dining room table and placed them neatly in my briefcase and buckled it shut. I'm so sorry, I called to them. I have to leave. I wish that I didn't, but I have to go now. We understand, said Grandma. Don't you worry, darling. I can't help it, I said. I always worry. Always. Always. Take a deep breath, came a new voice from the study. It was my wife. Two years ago, she died of cancer, but now I heard her voice from the study. I froze. Then I held my briefcase to my chest, wrapped my arms around it, and squeezed. Honey, I said, is that you? You bet, she called back. I don't know how to tell you this, I said, but I have to leave. I know, she said, you've got a big day. The next moment held a thoughtful silence. I'm not coming in there, I said finally. I know, she said. My chest tightened. I wanted to run into the study and throw my arms around her and kiss her mouth and tell her how much I couldn't stand not having her around. But I knew if I went in there, she'd be covered with mud too. And I had my wife life to think about, the life that was any minute going to start without me. I went back into the living room and stood in front of my dead father and grandmother, briefcase still pressed to my chest. My briefcase had become like one of those square cushions that can also be used as a flotation device. Though I stood still, I felt like my legs were kicking. Show me the way out of here, I said. My father got up and came within a few inches of me, making sure none of his mud touched the sleeves of my blazer. He leaned in, breath smelling like damp earth, and said, I'm sorry we brought her here. She wasn't supposed to say anything. That was the deal. 
She was supposed to listen and not say a thing. It's okay, I said. I'm glad she came. I just hate running out like this. He nodded, then said, follow me. I followed him to the front door, bow-legged over the wake of mud, so I wouldn't get dirty. Last night, after finishing my final report, I had used a half tin of black kiwi on my shoes, buffed them until I thought I could see myself in the leather. I don't know why, but now the whole idea of rubbing black junk on my shoes to make them look better confounded me. It made me think, does anything really get clean? My father opened the door. There must have been mica in the mud because his legs sparkled when the sunlight entered the room. I thought for a moment that standing there, framed by the doorway, he meant to use his body to wall me in and keep me from going outside, where now I heard birds and the passing of cars and every few seconds the sound of a hammer rapping in the hollow belly of someone's garage. But then he moved to the side, and I looked back towards the study, wondering if I should go in there, if it would be wise to go in there on the biggest day of my life. I listened for her, but all I heard was her silence. Her silence gave me a mother of a headache, like someone pounding a nail in the back of my head. If she'd spoken again, I'd have gone to her, but lucky for me, I think, she didn't. And what I heard instead was my neighbor's hammer calling me out. The end. Great little story. Hope it made you think a little bit. Okay, that was Mud by Jeffrey Forsyth. And the good news is uh, Old Buck Dale has come in and joined us and has listened to the story. He was came in very quietly and has had the opportunity to listen to the story with all of us together. So I thought I'd say, welcome back, Dale. Oh, thanks, Dave. Uh, I appreciate uh, uh, you saving that for me. Um, I got to admit, a uh, very interesting story, very, very thought-provoking, very thought-provoking story. So what, what is your take on that, Dave? What do you... Well, my take on it is, here's a fellow who's, who's grieving, grieving pretty badly he's lost three family members in a relatively short period of time and he's he's trying to deal with it and he's he just can't let go so this this episode here where they have all come back out of the mud and and the mud is a uh is the way you would picture someone coming out of the ground right underground okay See, I, that wasn't so, my take. That wasn't my take yeah. on that at all. I was thinking that uh, they were coming back to either warn him uh, about something. And, and well, what's your take on the big day? What was well, his big day? Well, I mean, it was it was some important day at work that he was going to make a big presentation or something, something that was important to his career. And that's the day they showed up, okay? And, and he, the way I see it is, there's, there's a turning point in the story, see, where at first they wanted to hug him, and then they pushed him away. They said, no, don't, don't, don't he, touch me. couldn't me. touch him, yeah. Don't touch didn't us. Touch You're going to get, you, this is a big day. You're going to get all messy and muddy. And by him finally agreeing to that, he, he recognizes 
that they're here to tell them it's time to let go. It's time to move on with your life. It's time to move on with your career. You know, we're, we're not coming back. Or be prepared to meet us officially sometime later today. Well, I guess that's another way of looking at it. But anyway. Well, well it's just, this is just the two old bucks. I mean, you know, obviously uh, uh, we could have different views on that, but uh, we'll throw that out to the listeners, I assume. Uh, yeah, I'd love to hear any comments. Yeah, from this anybody. is one of those uh, one of those pondering moments. What where we we sometimes reflect on things. Uh, we don't usually get too deep into the uh, into that subject, but uh, whoever's listening, uh, they may they may have some thoughts on what the story means. But I I just thought maybe it was an almost ominous uh, uh, interaction with his the folks from the past and saying. Uh, you know, this important thing you have to do today that you're in such a hurry to do. Maybe uh, there's some regrets. Maybe you had some guilt about not saying goodbye before then. And he's, well, he absolutely had guilt. Yeah. I mean, he, he mentioned that to the, to the one parent. He said, I never got a chance to say goodbye. And, well, and it, you know, I'm sorry. Go ahead. It doesn't give us really how it ends, per se. It doesn't say he went on to have a successful day. And, and, uh, and the, last, the last sentence, I, I'm not sure I understand. He was waiting for the neighbor's hammer? Is that well, he, he heard, uh, you know, he, basically the way I see it, he's opening the door and he's stepping into the world now and he's leaving, leaving them behind. He's, he's, he's back in the everyday world. You know, the birds are tweeting, the hammers are hammering, and so when he's he shuts, off to work. When he shuts the door, then basically uh, this should be... He's moving on. He's moving on. He's moving on. It could be that. Yeah. I guess yeah. it could be that from that point. Oh, it's an excellent story for 900 words. For 990 words. That's I, w- a, I would that's, love to be able to write 900 words story. coherently. <laughs> Even spell them right. <laughs> yeah. Spell check, you know, and everything. So, you know, this is really a great story. Thanks. Thanks. It was, it was fun. Uh, this reminds me of a movie that I saw a long time ago. It's one of my favorite movies. It's called Truly Madly Deeply, and it starred uh, Juliet Stevenson. And Alan Rickman, now the late Alan Rickman, you may remember him. He was he was in a lot of these uh, bad guy. He was play, he played the bad guy a lot in, oh. in, in movies later on. He was uh, they were lovers. He was a cellist. He died, and as the movie opens, you know this is several months after he's died, and she's just she's just crushed with grief, and she just can't can't deal with the world. And he comes back one day. He shows up, and she's just delirious. So, he, as an ap, as a ghost. So yes, he's, 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 he's back. He comes back as as a as a ghost of himself, but it mm. is him. And she's just delirious. And as time goes by, he invites some of his other ghost friends over, and they're watching TV, making a mess of the house. And the whole point of it, his point was he was trying to show her that he wasn't the perfect guy that she remembered. She, she, only she remembered the good points, but, oh. you know, he had some faults too. And, you know, again, it's time to move on. So uh, it, was, it was a great movie. Don't we, same, don't we same always thing. remember the good points? I mean. Yeah, yeah. So that was a favorite movie, one of the favorite movies? That was one of my favorite movies, yeah. I even, ha- I even bought it on uh, VHS, if you remember VHS. I do remember decades ago, decades ago. Yeah. (laughs) But then again, I'm not as old as you are (laughs) by by what 
19 days now or something yeah. like that. Uh, so that so, that's our uh, that's our culture culture class for today. So our challenge really is if anybody's listening uh, uh, we don't often dwell in this zone but every now and then we we certainly can ponder these questions and we do we sometimes we ponder some heavy stuff when we're uh, uh, wherever we're drinking a coffee whenever we meet and and that is to me is a friend is s- such a treasure that you can you can visit anytime talk about the subjects that are meaningful to you and your friend will listen so grab a friend like that out there folks Okay, shifting gears, we've got a letter from afar. This is from new listener Betsy from Bedford. And she talked about our story about meeting about me meeting a British couple in London that day, meeting them three different times, and what a bizarre coincidence that was. And she said it reminded her of a bus tour that she took in Scotland where she met an older couple from Florida. Turns out he had he had worked at her company. They had worked at the same company, and he lived and he was he lived clo- lived close to her b- back then. So that was kind of a an interesting. They were all retired. She's no, she was no, she's young. She's a young girl, and oh. they were but they were retired. Yeah. Oh, okay. So it was the same kind of. What are the, what are the odds? <laughs> what, are the, what are the odds? You know, and that that reminds an old couple from Florida who used to, and the guy used to work at yeah. your same company with you, and they lived not too far from it. Yeah, it was, so that kind of that that kind of triggered a couple low probability encounters that, that I've also had. Uh, number one, my wife used to walk in uh, with with one of the neighbors. They were regular walking partners. Walked a couple miles every day or every other day, and they weren't not close friends. They were good walking friends. And they both talked about, yeah, we, yeah we're going uh, over to Europe this summer. Oh, yeah, we're going to Europe this summer, too, to, for a vacation. And that's kind of as far as it got. So anyway, we were in uh, Monterosso. It's one of the little towns in Cinque Terre in Italy. It's just about impossible to get to. So and, we're, we're walking. I've never heard of that one, but I can tell you. So we're walking down this narrow street. And we hear somebody calling out her name, and it's the neighbor. They were, they were in the same town, and they, they had not discussed it at all. They, all they said is, we're going to be, so we were in the same town. That is kind of a and coincidence, isn't yeah. it? If that's not enough. It's a, and it's a, big, it's a big continent. It's a big continent, yeah. Another time, I was in, in Cape Town, South Africa, with, a, with another couple, and we were talking about, uh, you know, where, where we lived. And, and he said, well, how, how, long, how long have you lived in this town? And when he mentioned the name of the town, a woman jumped up <laughs> on the other side of the bar and said, what? That's where I live. And then she looked <laughs> and she said, you're my neighbor. <laughs> she lived like a block away from us. So it's, it's amazing. It's like 11 o'clock at night in a bar in Cape Town, South Africa. You know, I think there's a. I think if uh, our listeners move around at all, there's probably several incidents, you know, several listeners that would have the same experience. You remember old Buck Gene? You know old Buck. Old Gene. Buck Gene. Old Buck we Gene. Had a, we had a session with old Buck Gene. Yeah, well, you remember old Buck Gene. And old Buck Gene's favorite story was that for some reason he decided him and his wife decided to go to, um, I believe it was an island, 
you know, one of them, a Caribbean or Caribbean. What is it? Caribbean or Caribbean? They can pronounce yes. it either way. Yeah. They both work. Yeah. So he was in a Caribbean island or something like that, the way he describes it. I'm going to shorten it. And he hears uh, two young, uh, you know, two young uh, girls talking. And uh, he says, uh, he says, where are you? Uh, where are you guys from? And they said, oh, you would never, never know this place. It's just a small town in Pennsylvania. And then, of course, they say, yes, we do know that place. Yeah. And he laughed about that. And I said, what a coincidence. It's amazing, isn't it? Seven or eight billion people in the world. Yeah, now. yeah. And you meet somebody from your hometown that knows amazing. you. Amazing. Or of you. So. Yeah. Anyhow, all right. shout it's out to all little, the uh, coincidences in the world. A little coincidence trivia. Yeah. 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 Okay. Speaking of shouting out. Yeah. Well, you know, uh, lately we've been uh, giving some shout-outs to the to the folks that uh, contributed in some way uh, to our uh, uh, our personalities, maybe, or our our getting this far along in life. And uh, we want to shout out to a couple more that uh, played a part. Uh, we'd like to shout out a, 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 a to uh, the B B Stewart uh, family uh, for uh, their participation in our. Uh, in our early days, and we want to shout out to the D. Haas, that's D. Haas family. And lastly, we want to give a big shout out to a, uh, a good old buck, uh, the, uh, the K. Rupert uh, Family Trust. Uh, very supportive, and a big thank you to all those folks uh, for their contributions to where yeah, we are today. Great. So. Thank you. Yeah, all good folks. All good all folks. Good folks. Oh, good bucks. So I think we're at the point where it's time to say goodbye. So these are two old bucks. This is old Buck Dell. And this is old Buck Dave. Saying adios, eh? Adios. See you next time.